Hi, I'm Charles Gossier, President and CEO of the Downtown Vancouver Business Improvement Association. We're proud to sponsor the Coping with COVID-19 daily podcast series this month. Thanks, everyone, and stay strong. I'm Tyler Orton, and before we dive into our interview, here are some of the top stories that we're following today at Business in Vancouver. Canada has officially entered into recession territory, according to the C.D. Howe Institute. The research group's Business Cycle Council says the economy peaked in February before the pandemic ground activity to a standstill. And the Bank of Canada has named a new governor set to replace outgoing governor Stephen Polos. Tiff Macklem is a former deputy governor at the Central Bank, and he'll be taking the reins June 3rd. Now for our interview. Hey, welcome to Coping with COVID-19. And with many Canadians turning their focus to restarting the economy amid the pandemic, businesses and employees may soon find themselves navigating, I don't know, some rough waters as they balance safety with staying afloat as a company. Joining us today to talk about these issues, it's employment lawyer Andrea Razzo. She is from Clark Wilson LLP. And Andrea, I want to thank you for joining us on the show today. Thanks for having me. So I think this is a very topical issue, especially as the economies start to look at ramping up or at least easing into things. And even Starbucks Canada, they just announced that when employees start to return in mass, they're going to be wearing masks and they're going to be undergoing temperature checks as well. I'm wondering, um, can employers do this? Uh, can employees kind of push back? What's kind of the, the best case scenario for a lot of these situations? Right. So just starting with the basics, there is the balancing of the employee's privacy rights um, with the employer's obligation to create a safe work environment. So the employer has those obligations under occupational health and safety regulations under law. They are required to create a, a safe workplace. Employees have a role in that as well. So it really is a balancing between respecting individuals' privacies and their personal information, such as their temperature, with that of the entire workplace. It really will come down to the nature of the workplace. So dealing with Starbucks, as an example, um, you know, I, I would assume that they are concerned because they are very front-facing with customers. There's that, that close contact. Um, Employees work closely together behind the counter. They're often crossing by each other. So this is Starbucks way of, of trying to protect safety overall. Now, whether or not it's an invasion of privacy, everything is based on a reasonableness standard. So is it reasonable to require employees to wear masks um, or require them to have temperature checks? That's really what the test is going to be. And given that we're not in a normal situation, we're in a fairly unique situation, um, it may very well be that that is the safest way to operate. As we go forward and more employers start to open up, they're going to have to look at their own specific workplaces and see you know, or not they have to go to those extremes. So if you have an office setting and individuals in each of their offices, it might not be reasonable to require them to wear masks. 
Um, but it may be re reasonable to, you know, require that employees don't walk around and chat with each other. They, they stay in their offices. So, you know, those are things that employers are going to have to think about. One of the other things that we can rely on is the guidance from the public health officials. So to date, what um, work, Workers' Compensation um, WorkSafe BC has said is that if employers follow the guidelines that um, public health officials have put out, such as social distancing, uh, having sanitizers available, hand washing stations, then they've met their obligations under the Occupational Health and Safety Act. It may very well be that as we go forward, public health officials say, okay, these type of workplaces can start to open up. However, we require that they wear masks or that they wear gloves. And that would give an employer an ability to say, okay, this is what we need to do to comply. Um, even though it may be a, a you know, a, a degree of invasion of privacy. One of the things that I'm thinking about as well is what if I'm an employer and I'm taking everyone's temperature? What, what if I'm documenting this day to day? I'm keeping this data. D does that present any problems down the road if you're uh, holding on to some personal information like this? That's a really good question because yes, that is personal information, and you only have um, the an employer only has the right to retain personal information for as long as it's necessary, and then they have to dispose of it. So, you know, if on a day, you know, after a couple of days, is it really necessary to keep that data, given that? you know, it, there hasn't been any change in temperature, the temperature has been normal, it probably is not reasonable for that employer to, to retain that and it would have to dispose of it in order to be compliant with privacy legislation. So I think one of the other big things in the news here locally has been the closure of multiple poultry processing plants. And there were concerns raised that some of these workers, uh, they may not have been unionized or, or they weren't unionized. And, they're concerned that, hey, if I don't show up for work, I'm going to lose out of my livelihood here. So they may have been coming to work sick, and that's where we saw an outbreak come in. Uh, the province says that they feel like they need to have a discussion with industry right now to address some of these issues with sick leave. Um, what is kind of some of the hangups going on right now with regards to obligations that employers have to meet versus obligations employees have to meet as well if they are indeed feeling ill? Right. So I think the majority of employers are quite being quite empathetic and quite careful uh, to employees being ill. And I don't think that many of them want sick employees to be in their workplace. Um, at the same time, employees feel the need to go because, number one, they're concerned about their job. And number two, they're concerned about their income. So employers should be messaging to employees, you are not to come in if you are sick or if you are suffering from any symptoms. And there should be some communications with employees about what the employer will do in this situation where an employee has to go off sick. So many employers have sick leave policies that employees can access. Um, if they don't, there is a new uh, leave of absence under the Employment Standards Act to British Columbia, which was enacted a couple of weeks ago, and it is called the COVID-19 leave of absence. Um, and it allows an employee to go off for an indetermined amount of time if they meet certain criteria, such as, for example, they are suffering from symptoms. Um, they have childcare responsibilities because schools are closed. So anything that's sort of COVID-19 related 
it gives them the right to go off on a, on a leave. They can collect the CERB, the emergency response benefit that the Canadian government has made available, and it is a job-protected leave. So think pregnancy leave. When an employee has finished their pregnancy leave, they have a right to return to employment. The same is true with this new COVID-19 leave. So employees that are fearful about losing their job because they are suffering some sort of symptoms that, that might be COVID-19 related, legislation is in place to protect them so that they do get their job back at the end of the day. Well, you brought up the CERB just a moment ago, and let's say I'm an employee. I've been on the CERB the last few weeks, and now uh, my company is ramping up operations again. Maybe they're on the 75% wage subsidy. They want me to go back to work. Um, what if I don't feel comfortable? What if I don't feel that there's sufficient safety measures in place at the workplace? What um, recourse do I perhaps have as a worker? That's a really good question. Um, and so there... There were a couple of things you raised in there. Number one, I don't feel comfortable going back to work. And number two, I don't feel that there are safety measures in place. So the discomfort, I think everybody, when it comes time to go back to work, will feel that discomfort. They will feel that, you know, have that fear. Just now being in closer contact with individuals, perhaps having to be on crowded transportation. Those individuals who feel uncomfortable, they don't have any sort of protection at law. So the employer can say, well, if you don't wanna to come to work, that's fine. They can terminate, though I think very few employers in the situation would terminate, but that is their right. But more likely than not, they'll say to the employee, okay, well, you'll have to remain on an unpaid leave. Unfortunately, the employee in that situation won't get any benefits. They won't be entitled to any benefits. That's different than an employee who says, I don't think my workplace is safe, because if they feel that way, there are measures that they can take through workers' compensation, through occupational health and safety to WorkSafe BC um, to say, I don't think these measures are, are safe enough. Again, we know already that WorkSafe is taking the position that if the measure is followed by public health, officials, their recommendations, their guidelines, if those are followed, then it is reasonable, uh, you know, for the employee to go back into the workplace. So um, there is an ability for employees if they feel unsafe. If employees have an underlying health condition, then they might meet the criteria of the COVID-19 leave of absence that is just unsafe for them to go to work. So there are various bodies that, you know, people can go to for recourse. Uh, you, you just mentioned, say, works at BC, bringing up concerns there. Do you get the sense just in your day-to-day -day job, though, that some of these institutions are under a, a certain amount of pressure that they aren't normally because of the pandemic and that maybe some sort of assistance or help might be a little bit slower coming than it usually would be? Right. I mean, I think that um, some of their regular work has declined. So, for example, the Employment Standards Tribunal, there aren't a lot of employees at work who are complaining that they're not paid overtime they're, because a lot of people are, are staying home. So I think some of their day to day work has declined. But obviously, you know, most uh, institutions are working short staffed or having individuals work from home. And so in that way, the, the response time is going to be um, a lot shorter. However, um, I still do think that the tribunals will be responsive, particularly to COVID-19 issues, because they, they are urgent matters and it is a matter of public health. Um, so I do think they'll be responsive to those issues. One of the other things that could be of concern for not just employers, but maybe colleagues of people, though, would be what happens if I am living with somebody 
who might be symptomatic. Do I have any obligation to go ahead and inform my employer of this? Right, and, and absolutely you should, um, because if you are putting um, anybody at, at risk, um, because as we know, if you are around somebody who has symptoms, you are supposed to self-isolate yourself for at least 14 days um, and then see if you're symptomatic. Um, so, so you do have that obligation um, to tell your employer. Uh, you know, employers normally cannot ask employees do you have a certain type of illness? So in the normal course, that is going too far into their private information. Um, however, again, because we are in a unique situation, it may very well be that going forward, public health officials say, you know, if you are an employee and you are, you know, you have symptoms or you around somebody have symptoms, you cannot go to work. That might give the employer more of a right to specifically ask employees, you know, do you have anybody around that you're symptomatic or is there any reason you can't come to work? I would think that most employees would would want to come forward with that information. And I think employers would be quite um, empathetic to, towards that. I, I might take you just off on a little bit of a tangent, but I think it's something that you can speak to. Uh, earlier this week, the prime minister, he was emphasizing to people that if you're already on the CERB, you have to be aware you can't also dip into the wage subsidy that's going on as well. What should Canadians be aware if they suddenly find themselves uh, receiving both benefits concurrently? Right. And so there, there hasn't been... Um there hasn't been much instruction in, in terms of that, um, although we do know that that there isn't supposed to be the double dipping, that that is not supposed to be happening. Um, and so I, you know, for the employee, I'm not sure, you know, the employee should conform or, and come forward and tell the employer, but this is really something the employer should make clear to employees that, you know, once once they get the wage subsidy, the employee is back on pay, on payroll. So what should happen is the employer should issue records of employment that says the employee is now back at work and that would cut off their serve. But you're quite right. I mean, given the backlog, given the number of applications that the government's dealing with, there may be people who are who are so, you know, quote unquote, double dipping. Um, I expect at some point in time, if if nobody comes forward and says anything, that the government will ultimately find out and and claw back whatever monies were wrongfully provided. I'm also curious, just from your personal perspective, when we step back from all of this in maybe a year, two years, three years, obviously I can use the word unprecedented, but uh, think about the speed with which things are changing. Uh, do you think that we're going to look back at this time and kind of observe some interesting mistakes or maybe perhaps observe um, some kind of flexibility within legal frameworks that we haven't necessarily seen before in Canadian history? That's, that's a really great question, and, and that's what we're dealing with every day because there, you know, other than the statutes, the common law, the judgment law, there isn't a lot of guidance for a situation like this. So things that, you know, might in one circumstance be a constructive dismissal based on what's happening today is very reasonable for that employee to have, you know, been required to take a pay cut. Um, so I think that as, you know, the year, a year, two years from now, three years from now, I think we may see some new law coming out of this. Um, I, I see things um, to some extent um, not going backwards. So, for example, um, when the uh, 
uh, government put into place the COVID-19 leave of absence in the Employment Standards Act. They put in another section, which I don't think employers have really focused on right now, but they will at some point, that there is um, job-protected sick leave for a three-day period. Now, that may not seem like a lot, but that is a big deal because this is the first time in British Columbia that we have seen legislation that actually gives employees protection for their job where they're off sick. So while employers may have sick leave policies and all those sorts of things, there isn't anything like pregnancy leave that says you have a flu, like, you know, that, that like pregnancy leave, you have a right to come back. The same is true as if you have a flu for three days um, and you've missed work, you have a job protected leave. So that came in at the same time the COVID-19 leave came in. It didn't get much attention, but I think it is a very interesting step towards um, uh the government recognizing, you know, health issues and employers' obligations, you know, to protect employees when they do have health issues. Um, so, you know, I see that as kind of taking a baby step towards uh, maybe thinking about health and wellness in the workplace um, on a broader basis than we do now. Well, another thing that you just brought up was, uh, say, pay reductions. And I think in these unprecedented times, a lot of employees understand that they do have to take pay reductions right now. But what if an employee doesn't think that's necessarily fair? Uh, is there any recourse that they can take or are they just kind of have to kind of suck it up at this point? Right. So um, what the employee can say is that they have effectively been constructively dismissed. And what constructively dismissed means you may have well as terminated me outright because you've changed such an important term or employment of my or condition of my employment um, that it's like it's a new job. So the courts have already dealt with this and the courts in British Columbia have said typically anywhere up to about 20% of a salary reduction isn't going to be a constructive dismissal. Um, without something more, such as a, a change in a job title or taking away uh, certain responsibilities, for example, managerial duties. Um, what I think will be interesting to see is if an employee does file a claim, um, which would be filed through uh, the courts, through the Supreme Court, um, to see you know, what the courts are going to say about this being a very unique, unique time. So say, for example, if somebody got a reduction of 30% of the pay, of pay, which normally is a constructive dismissal, will the court say that it was reasonable for the employee to walk away from their job, knowing what kind of job market there was, and claiming constructive dismissal, rather than accepting that 30% reduction, at least for the time being, um, because of the uniqueness of the situation? Um, so there is recourse for employees, but, you know, we'll see, we'll see how the courts look at the whole issue of constructive dismissal based on this situation. The other thing we should be aware of is the courts have fundamentally been closed for the last couple of months. Um, they have been taking uh, urgent applications, mostly criminal, some family. A lot of this civil stuff have, hasn't been dealt with. Um, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see how the court deals with this backlog once they get up and running um, and, you know, how quickly parties are going to be able to get into the courts to have these sorts of issues resolved. It might not be for some time. Well, excellent. Andrea, I think we're going to be diving into so many more issues in the coming weeks and months. I'd love to pick your brain some more as we go down the road. But for now, I want to thank you for joining us on the show today. Thanks for having me, Tyler. That's Andrew Rasso. She is an employment lawyer at Clark Wilson LLP. And that's it for the show today. 
I want to thank everyone for tuning in. We'll be back after the weekend, but for now, go to BIV.com for more information.